Yeah, well, that goes right back to the garden. The enemy was trying to separate everything that is from the one who made it be. And so, because he wanted to then manipulate and to use it for his own ends. But so, yeah, depending on the heart. I mean, most the science and all of these things sprung from within the church. The Christian, it was, the, you know, um, it was the Christian faith that spurred on the, the innovations and all that. If you go back and you look and you see how it all kind of... Because uh, the, the enemy tries to make it seem like, oh, Christians, they don't believe in science. But no, the Christians were the one who traced the lines that flow from God. And that's a quote from Albert Einstein, yeah. too. He said, I only trace the lines that flow from God. Yeah. You know, So it's like it's a recognition, seeing the design, seeing that nobody would ever think this just created itself as simple or complicated as you think it might be depends on your perspective and your knowledge. Mm-hmm. But the ones who created this, they know... But they would, the ones who created or anybody observing this would never, ever think, oh, look, evolution. Yeah. <laughs> Here, this is a product. This is much more simple than the human body or the gravitational pull and the relationship and alignment of the planets and, and, and how all the evolutionary things that needed to be in place just to create your kneecap because it couldn't involve one to the other. It had to all be created at the same time and the eyeball and other things. So many things. So it was Christians who actually led the charge of, of science and uh, democracy and all these things that, you know, that are the good things that people want to go to certain countries to experience those things classically. Uh, it, it originated from that. And so it's... Because it's God's ways. God has a way. Mm-hmm. In fact, his name is Yahweh. <laughs> and we were going to talk about that later. And Yahweh, it's... And, and if you look in the original language, what it means... Well, it's a tetragrammaton. It's a yod yod vav So it, it, it was purposely... Um, God's name was given to Moses and he passed it on to every high priest and they wouldn't tell anybody else. So it was passed on high priest to high priest and so there's missing parts to his name and we have yod heh vav But it, it, that literally means um, the, the self-existent one. In other words, there is no other thing, requ- there's no existence outside of him. In other words, he, he is created, I have it down here somewhere, um, with the scholars. The name I'm sorry, of that. I didn't understand what when you yeah. were saying about Yahweh, what? I'm, I'm just explaining what, what it actually means. So in Exodus 3, this is where uh, God appeared to Moses, right? And said, hey, I want you to go. I've heard the cry of the people in Egypt, and I want you to take them out. And Moses is like, who, me? <laughs> you got the wrong person. I can't even speak right. You know, he's like... Mm. But that's often when we read the promises of God and we see all the promises, we're like, what, who, me? Maybe for somebody else, me, experience that, me. It's like the enemy and the, and the world's constantly, little g-god of this world, is constantly trying to say, it's not for you. All those promises there is for somebody else. Not Maybe somebody else, but not you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always trying to bring a disqualification where Jesus, it says, we're qualified through him, through what he's done. And when we accept that and we align that and we incorporate that, incorporate that into our way of thinking, that's how we're renewed in the spirit of our mind in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, allowing God to tell us how to think. God established certain things, and if he wants your opinion, he'll give it to you. I heard somebody say that. It was really cool. So I'm repeating it. <laughs> so I was like, God, God planned the, the Trinity. They were all there. God revealing himself in every realm. That's what the Trinity is. Manifest in the flesh and the spirit and the soul. And, okay, so it's like, and he, when they were counseling together, we weren't invited to that meeting. 
Surprise, surprise. So, but yet mankind likes to think that we're in control. Well, as we align, so he's the self-existent one. He laid the train tracks. He, he made the, the game board. He, it's not a game, but you know, he laid it all out there and we operate within the structures and the ways that he has provided. Self-existent in himself. So the word Yahweh, okay, I didn't even read that yet. Exodus 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What's his name? What do I say? <laughs> He's asking God. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So in Revelation 4.8, it says he is the one who is, was, and will be. The name of God is the self-existent one. So he's everything that happens, every, not, okay, wait, let me rephrase that. Every opportunity for good things to happen, it was all laid there within the framework. We are created in the image of God, man, so he gave mankind a free will. That was God's plan. There's a framework there because he wanted fellowship, he wanted family, somebody who could on his level relate to him. So, so Adam and Eve are created in the image of God, just with the tree there to remind them that they weren't God because they were so much like God. So it was to help them to put that tree there, right? We've talked about that a few times. So just that's like God will ask certain things just to remind us that where he's the source and he's the, the one, okay? But, but he brings us into this life participation with him when we realize that it's everything in him. So his very name, I am, it, 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 the meaning is that all the tracks of life are already provided for. So when you read Matthew 18, 19, and 20, chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, it says, whatever you bind will have already been bound in heaven. That's what, in the, in the Greek, that's what it's already provided for and you're just partaking of it. Whatever you loose has already been loosed. In other words, it's already been provided for. You're, you're just partaking of it now by coming into agreement. So God established before the foundation of the world that Christ was crucified. That's what it says in the book of Revelation. Christ crucified from the foundation of the world before we humans were even created. How's that? Because God set things up. He's made the board. He saw what would happen before it happens. He calls things or not as though they are. And, and he lays it all out there. And then he put mankind in the midst and said, you have dominion over all because you created in my image. You are not subject to anything. So you are like me. In other words, have dominion over all this, the earth, every creeping thing, everything. You are in this place of authority. Why? Because I'm giving you that authority. I'm the source. I have all authority, and I'm, and I'm giving it to you. I'm, I, I want you to walk with me and be my emissary on earth, my ambassadors, my enforcers, my, you know, all of this. And so, so Adam and Eve were in that position. And so as long as they stayed within the, the track... It's like a track. Sometimes you have a, if you have a dream and there's a train track, it's like God speaking his will because there's a track. It's like it, there's a destiny. Books written about your life. Psalm 139 says you have books written about your life. The days uh, of your life, everything. God has a plan and a purpose. He created each one of us with a uniqueness. And, but the, the, quote, magic happens when we actually align and partner with him in our heart, our way of thinking, and like Jesus, we don't do just random things. We're doing what God is leading us to do. 
Jesus said, every word I speak, everything I do, it's my Father. I'm listening to my Father, and I'm, I'm, I'm flowing with Him. And so that's, that's where the magic happens, because then we're operating within the track that God has destined, and angels hearken only to the voice of the Lord, not to mankind's opinion. So when, as we align with the voice of the Lord and the plans of God, then we, we go because he's sending us, not because we're wandering around, but he's sending us, those that wait on the Lord, renew the strength because we hear his word and feeds our soul. And then we do things, and then we have assurance. We have a title deed for an outcome in that situation because it's, we're operating according to his covenant. And this is, this is the topic I felt for today. The inherent in the word, the word, the name, Yahweh, I am, it is the, um, let me find that. It is, it is the, um, it has the meaning of a covenant keeping God. So it is, because there's actually two names that in, in the Old Testament they use to translate um, God. The, inherent in the name Yahweh is that he exists without limitation as the covenantal God who is ever coming into manifestation. Okay, so he exists and his existence is, you know, his nature, it sets up his ways and those ways bring a manifestation of something. This is all inherent if you, if you want to be Greeky and Hebrewy and, and get into the word Yahweh and you study this out. It's, it's, it's inherent in his name. So it's all about covenant. He says, if you walk with me, I will do this. If you believe, nothing will be impossible for you. If you align with my heart and my ways, nothing will be impossible. If you have faith and say this mountain, move, and, and it, it'll move. Imagine, how, how would you think? Okay, now question if you knew that you could experience, that you will experience the outcome of every promise of God if you just do what he said, you know, lay hands on this or that, if everything that you put your hand to will succeed, because all of these things are in his word. So if, if we knew, if we really believed that every promise of God would be manifest as we do as we as we put ourselves out there, what would your mindset be? I mean, how would it affect your way of thinking? If you knew that every time, every that you know, God was just right there. He said, "Okay, now everything you put your hand to, it's gonna. My resulting promise is gonna manifest there." Well, how would that shape your way of thinking? How do you think Jesus? What was his way of thinking? Because that's how Jesus operated, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus showed us what a, a person filled with the Spirit of God and living that out looks like. It's where the rubber meets the road. And because Yahweh is a covenant-keeping God, there's always a manifestation. That's why he's called the Word. He, Jesus, the man, Jesus, was, was a... Um, he, the, the character and nature of God expressed in the doing and the manifesting without hindering... Of, of unbelief and watering down through disobedience and getting distracted with the things that entangle and leaving the seeds of the word over there for the birds to snatch away or the, the cares of life. He, he was undistracted, undiluted, human, but totally 
focused and connected, abiding in, looking to Yahweh. So that's what that looks like. And then he, in John 14, 12, he says, those who believe in me will, will be doing all the same things and greater because I go to my father and there's going to be a new paradigm. The enemy is going to be defeated and I'm going to defeat him. And so <laughs> you're going to be stepping into the, my victory and everything and you're just going to be my emissaries. But how, but do we, how often do you see this type of lifestyle in God being expressed in full measure? Maybe we see a glimmer here, a glimmer there, a little like this. But what, so what's going on? That's the question, right? What's, what, what, what is it? Well, we're not going to be able to get to heaven and, and point a finger at God and say it's his fault. That's for sure. We're not going to say, oh God, you should have sent Jesus twice or something. You don't hit the rock twice. That's why Moses couldn't go in the promised land. One time. One time. That rock, which is Christ, the set is Christ, was, was to be struck once. And that's it. But Moses, with human emotion, hit it twice. So he couldn't go in the prompt because that, that did not represent what God wanted to come across. It, it was representing Christ that he would be struck once. The water would flow just like when they pierced his side, that like water and blood make it just flowing from his side once. Now he's sitting down. His enemies were made, I mean, he, he led um, captivity captive. He triumphed over his enemies. He, he made an open show of them. And he's sitting down on his throne. Not in a manger, not on a cross. He, he's on the throne waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool. But he's sitting down. God's prepared a table in the presence of our enemies. And say, he didn't pray, Father, take them out of the world. He said, Father, they're in the world, but just be with them and that they partake of the same glory. John 17, when Jesus is speaking to the Father on behalf of his followers, he said, the same glory that they would have, that, that they would have too and, 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 and participate in that. So what is the mindset of somebody like Jesus who knows that everything they put their hand to will succeed and the promise of God will be fulfilled? What is that? How, what's that paradigm, thought process look like? Just think about it for a moment. Do you know that the Bible is about meditating on the Word? He said, whatever you imagine, you know, it's like, I think we talked about this sometime before, like, remember the Tower of Babel, you know, God came down and said, we've got to put a stop to that because those hybrids, they're there building this thing and whatever they imagine they will be able to do if we don't come down and put a stop to it. And so then God split the earth, split the thing, confused the languages, all these things, because when, when the enemy gets together, little G God of this world influencing a world, and they get like a thing going, global mischief, beyond mischief, that's a light word, begins to happen. But God's people, we live in Goshen. Egypt is a type of the world, symbology. But Goshen was like a suburb in Egypt where Israel lived and so the the, um, the plagues and all that didn't touch them but it was happening all around them mm-hmm. so it's about living in that secret place with God but what is that way of thinking of a person like Jesus who knows there, there is no defeat there is no impossibility there is no what does that look like 
Well, we have to, when we realize that that's not our way of thinking, we need to own our situation and say, okay, I need to change. That's, what that's, that's why I'm, I'm harping on this, because we're not there yet. And it's not God's fault. When we get to heaven, he's going to, there may be things we didn't know, but he's going to say, you could have known. Ask, and you receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. you so many jewels in the word of God. I mean, the Lord's bringing them to your mind, mind right now. All the promises of God that are available right there. And they're not there just because God didn't know what to do one day and he's writing down a bunch of stuff which is for nobody to experience. No. <laughs> Everything there is meant to be experienced. And Jesus proved that to us because he manifested the will of God for mankind. He said mankind will live, should live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's what it looks like, Jesus. And he didn't do it as the son of God. That's what the, the devil was trying to... He said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. God wasn't leading him to turn those stones into bread. So Jesus submitted himself as a man to his heavenly father. And he wouldn't do anything outside of that. Even though he could have stepped outside of that and done it as the son of God. God, the, the only begotten. You know what I mean? He had to act. He said, I can call legions of angels right now. And you're toast, dude. And it, but he didn't do that. He submitted himself. That's what mankind, that's the, the human experience with God. We submit to God, then we resist and push back the devil and he'll flee in terror. Then that's what it really is saying there in the original language. We submit, number one, to God. We come under his authority and we align and we agree and we believe his word finds place in our heart, that most innermost part of us in good soil. And so we tend to that soil. We protect the soil from weeds, from distractions, from the cares of life. And we prioritize what God has said in the soil of our heart. It's the parable of the soils. So, so we put that in, good, in a good place in our heart. And then from there, we have the title deed for all that God has promised that's why, you know, faith was referred to as a title deed. Why does God, remember, speak things that are not as though they are and then they become? And I mean, how, God is looking differently than, than we look sometimes. He, he sees what he's provided. It's provided through Jesus Christ, qualified through him, and, and, it, and it's a done deal. He's not going to strike the rock twice. It's one time. One sacrifice for all eternity. The door, I am the door. We come through the door. We sit down at the table. It's already prepared. Whatever you bind, it's already been bound. And we were waiting. Heaven was waiting for you to agree. Whatever you lose, heaven was just waiting for you to agree to come into that mindset and that place where we don't limit God anymore. And so it's not just words or an action we're doing, but it's, it's faith. The in-birth persuasion of God. The, we're persuaded of the truth of what God has said. And when we are persuaded, then it allows God to work in our heart and to fill us with his way of thinking. And then we act on that way of thinking and his leading. And God comes through. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, that, that experience. And so... If you knew you could experience every promise of God, what would your way of thinking be? That's where, that's what God has for us. 
I mean, if he says, speak to mountains and they will move, how many mountains do you see flying around these days? Uh, not many. Why not? <laughs> because the body, we need to pull up our socks. It's not God's fault. He's a good God and he's faithful. He's true. He keeps his covenant. He's a covenant keeping God. It's in his name and he's made all these promises. And so when we realize that he is, he makes good on his word. He's a covenant keeping God. He's given us the title deed. All of his promises. He's shown us his will. And now we just, we need to turn ourselves in and say, you know what, Lord, I've been uh, missing it somehow, but I'm turning myself in now. I'm, I'm crucified with Christ and I'm going to follow your impulses now. You know, I'm going to follow your leading and, 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 and do the things that, that you lead me to do. And what if you had an advocate who always represented you in, in the courtroom and always never lost? We have one, the Holy Spirit. All the promises of God. You see, God, it's about covenant. It's about what he says is a spiritual law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It, we operate like, remember, the I am. There is no, nothing that exists outside of him in regards to its playing by his rules. Now, God didn't create evil. That was you know, the father of lies and all that. But it's like God knew it would happen, and so there's a track. It's called judgment, where that gets funneled. So nobody's getting away with anything. The bad people are doing evil things. Nobody's getting away with anything. It looks like they are yeah. right now. But no, no, they're on the track of judgment. They're already judged. It's like Jesus won. We win. It, that's settled. That's, so there's no stress. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you see these things. It's temporal. It's this and that. Even though we push back, we are to be the thermostat that sets the temperature in the world. But because the church has been failing in the ways we've been talking about, that's why we see the discrepancies. It wasn't meant to be like this. Adam and Eve were not supposed to fall. They were not supposed to sin. They were not supposed to. Mankind was not supposed to even taste and know evil at all. That's what that tree was all about. God could know evil and not be seduced by it because of his, who he is, character, nature, his, his whole. But mankind was an image, was not the full package of God. So there was, there was that inability to resist that But because God never meant for mankind to go there. And when mankind goes where God doesn't intend for him to go, he cannot resist the evil that he finds. He's seduced by it. That's why God wants to protect us. He says, don't partake of these things. If you partake of that, you're going down this evil path. You're going to get seduced by it. And you're going to be in a place where God is not in control of those things. And so you're open to the influence of the enemy. There's discrepancies. Why this? Why that? Da, da, da. Well, God tells us how to experience his fullness. He says that there's a straight and narrow way. It's the right way. It's the right decisions. It's yielding to me, doing the things that I lead you to do. My word spells it all out for you. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you and then you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Whatever you put your hands to will succeed. You know, we can read Deuteronomy 7, 8. It's all about God establishing his covenant with his people. He says, if you, you know, here, here's the, you know, the, the Exodus 33, just back there when Moses was, um, no, we didn't read Exodus 33. In Exodus 34, I believe God gave the Moses the Ten Commandments, but just before that, God he encountered God when um, Moses said, 
show me your glory in Exodus 33 Moses said show me your glory because he wasn't it said Israel knew his acts but Moses knew his ways because Moses wanted to know the glory which is the weightiness of God the substance the what's behind it the person behind it he wanted the relationship and so then right after that God also gave the Ten Commandments and all that because this was the track this was the way when we follow when we play by God's rules the outcome is assured. And then we don't live in randomness. We walk by the faith, that in-birth persuasion of God. We're convinced, and we do, and then we experience the result. It doesn't matter if it takes time. It doesn't matter if it's whatever. We know the truth, and we stick by that, and we know if there's any discrepancies, it's on our end. It's not on God's end. And then we're constantly being transformed in our way of thinking so that we can align and thus experience the fullness of everything God has. So that whatever we desire, John 15, is the result of abiding and allowing God to define the parameters, his word to define the parameters of what we do and don't do because it's, for our, it's our good. It's like that tree in the Garden of Eden who was to help them. Remember, don't start thinking you can just go haywire and still everything, the garden is going to be available. No. They lost access to the garden when they went haywire, when they went AWOL, and they started going outside the parameters. So it's like, but if we are there with God in his prep, and, and we're actually following the words of Christ and what he said, then we can ask what we will and it shall be done. You know, so, so there is that place that, that God, um, you know, Jesus described as abide in me and, and his words abiding in us. But I just want to talk about the, the name Yahweh a little bit more. Um, anyway, just before that. So Jesus in Revelation 19, he was called faithful and true. That's why he experienced, like, in other words, he kept his end of the, the covenant. He kept what God said, you know, to keep. He, he, he walked, he... As the son of man, he submitted himself to God's authority. So then the centurion, recognizing that, said, that's why the authority of God is working through you. I'm also a man under authority. I see the authority of God working in you. You're submitted to God, and that's why you're carrying his authority. He was submitted to Rome. Thus, that's why he was carrying Rome's authority. But so Jesus was called faithful and true. And so as far as the covenant was the agreement, he was keeping his end of the bargain. God was keeping his, and, and that's what that looks like. That's what it looks like when a human keeps our part of the what God had said fully. Then God just is able to come through fully in every um, uh, situation. So, back to the name Yahweh. Um, so there's two there's two primary titles for. Uh, for the Lord, God, for, for Yahweh in the Old Testament. One is Elohim, which basically means, uh, in, in, in the original language there, circumstance maker. So he sets the board, like he's Yahweh. He's, it's like everything exists within the parameters that he has defined. If you do evil, you're on the track of judgment. If you do good, you're going to experience the fullness. Uh, life or death, I've said it before you, there, there's not a third option. Said, I've set before you here. Here's your choices. Walk with me. Not, you know, it's like God defines the the thing. That's Elohim, God, all powerful. He defines the circumstances. He defines the parameters, and that's the way it is. There's another word used for God, which is Lord, Adonai, 
So Lord, and that has to do with destiny maker. So God is all powerful, but he's also relational. So when we call Jesus Lord, what we're saying is, I'm submitted under your authority. I want to, to, to walk with you and to know you in, because only partnering, walking with you can I reach the destiny that you've created me for. So one is almost like, you know, just the power and the defining thing, but the other is Lord where we submit and partner with him and, and then he shapes our destiny and helps us reach our destiny, our creative purpose. So um, in Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Jeremiah is saying, Ah, Lord God, he's saying Adonai and Yahweh, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. So yes, there's the, the Yahweh, the self-existent one, all this God, but then there's Lord God. So in other words, there, it's the way in the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. Jesus said, you know, you call me Lord and, and I am. So it's like he's the Lord. He's the one that we accept his ways and we submit to him. And then we encounter the almighty, all-powerful, self-existent one who can put things back into alignment the way he created them to be. Believers will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will, you know, speak from the fire of heaven to the woman by the well and, and she's, her world is rocked and she encounters God and faith is born. And, you know, we're to partner with God in this way of taking of what God has provided in heaven, the life-giving truth, gospel, the words, how that people can know Jesus, healing, restoration, spirit, soul, body, you know, just everything like Jesus demonstrated. And then the shadow of Peter was healing people because he was so walking that way with God. So so there is all-powerful, just, you know, God, Elohim, and then there is... Um, Lord, if we call him Lord and we submit to him, then we begin to partner uh, with God and we see his um, uh, we see his hand in everything we do. So we don't have time to read it now, but you can read in Exodus 33 where um, Moses was, and God was speaking to Moses and he was saying um, Moses was asking for his, uh, for him to go with him because God was getting a little bit ticked off with the Israelites for their um, uh, um, misbehaving and not partnering with God. And so God said, I'll, look, I'll send my angel with you. I, if I, I can't go. I'm going to kill you, all you guys. And don't, <laughs> just, but don't take off the angel because he's not going to put up with it either. You know? And then he said, so Moses is like, no, 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 no. If, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. You know, it's, He was saying, and that... Um, and then God was talking about, um, well, when Moses said, please show me your glory. And then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So it's all about alignment. When, As we align with his grace, he can have compassion and he can treat us the way he wanted to. Those who accept Christ... Jesus is an is a expression of God's grace and his what he provided, but we must align with Christ to experience the benefits of the born-again experience. If people don't want to align with the lifeline God has given out, then they cannot experience what God has 
his grace and all of that. So he'll be gracious to whom he will be gracious. He's established that's through Christ, for example. You know, as, and so if people want to go another way, then they're not going to experience the graciousness. And so he's, again, set everything. And um, what I was getting to here. And then right after that, when God revealed his name is when he gave, you know, the Ten Commandments. I, I mean, he wrote them down again. Or not he. He had Moses write them down, I think, the second time. First time God wrote them, second time. Because Moses then broke it when he came down and saw them all, you know, worshiping other things. So anyway, so then God um, gave it again. And so anyway, so the point is that, um, let me just read one last thing from Deuteronomy 7. So God is all about keeping his word. He is faithful. He, we don't need to like, if he says something and it's right there in his word, then we can take it to the bank like the title deed. He said, faith is the title deed of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If somebody gives you the title, say you, I want to give you this car and they give you the title deed. Yeah, or house, whatever. Here's the title deed. Well, you've got the title deed in your hand. But you haven't seen the house yet. doesn't matter. You've got it. You've got it. And if somebody fights you along the way because they're not as you're going to move in to the house, the enemy fights you along the way because he doesn't want you to have it, what are you going to do? Okay. I won't go and live in the house that I have. No. You're going you're gonna to like submit to the authority of God Resist, push back, and so he needs to flee in terror because you're now walking in the authority of God because you're sent. You have the title deed, you're sent, it's God's will, and the enemy just needs to move. That's the mindset. You know, that's the mindset of partaking of the promises of God so that we need to have. That's the mindset of Jesus when he was uh, healing, casting out, when he was, whatever he was doing, if the enemy got in his way, he wouldn't just roll over and, you know, let it happen. He, he, he would continue to, to do and say what God has said. You know, he, he you know, put his eyes on, or spit on the ground, actually, on the one blind man. And what do you see? People like trees, second application. He, he knew God's will and just continued until it was done. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we need to uh, grab hold of the truth of the word of God. He's revealed himself. He's a covenant-keeping God. He always keeps his end of the bargain. His word never returns empty. It always accomplishes what he has sent. But we are the variable. So we need to submit to God in the sense of, okay, you're not a liar. Your word is true. You have said these things. I'm going to just start believing, and I'm going to just rest. I'm going to have the rest of faith now because I'm going to settle this once and for all. This is the way it is. I know I am going to have what God has provided for me. And if the enemy gets in the way, so, you know, submit to God. That means his word, what he has said. Make sure you're in agreement. Push back at the devil and just keep walking towards what God has given you the title deed for. And so we need that mindset. We need, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. It's not a mamby-pamby religion. It's not a religion at all. Religion is, is a system of things, and man starts coming in as a mediator. But there's one mediator, Jesus Christ. 
He's done it all. And now we have a relationship with him and he tells us what we have access to. He tells, he shows us what it's like to walk with God. But it's, it's also a very strong mindset. It's not, it's not the little lamb just laying down. It's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion is the king of the jungle. <laughs> he, he, the lion's just like looking at you and he's maybe thinking of lunch, but he's not moving. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so, so the lion of the tribe of Judah, it's like Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's not the lamb. He's not the baby born in the manger. He is a warrior. He's sitting on his throne waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool and wondering what's taking so long. <laughs> so the bride needs to get herself ready. We need to come into alignment with what God has said. Stop limiting him. Stop being the limiting factor. And we just start believing and doing and living out from that place of partaking of all that God has provided for us. And let me just read this Deuteronomy 7 portion before I... <laughs> And that's it. So Deuteronomy 7. Then it shall come to pass because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them. The Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. So those who listen to the covenant, the word of God, the agreement, God will keep his covenant because he established it with Abraham, the father of the faith of all those who believe, right? That's what the Bible says, that we are the children of Abraham if we are believing ones, right? So we're entering into the covenant. Israel never stopped. It's a spiritual Israel. That's what the Bible says. So there's a covenant that he established, you know, with Abraham, and, and, and we enter into that. All the promises we enter in. And he says, he'll bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, the grain, the new wine, the oil, increase your cattle, the offspring of your flock, and the land which he swore to your fathers to give to you. You will be blessed above all peoples. There will not be a male or female, uh, there shall not be a male or female barren among you in, or among your livestock. The Lord will take away from you all sickness. He will not afflict you with any of these diseases of e Egypt which you have known, but he'll, he'll make sure that it goes upon those who hate you. So it goes on. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. Read Deuteronomy 7 and 8. You can read it, Homer. Okay. First, Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 says, You will remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. You see, it, it's all-encompassing. Second Peter 1, everything we need for life and godliness is provided for. If we include God, we let Him be God, let Him be Lord in our life, and we walk with Him in His ways, He established, His covenant is already established. It's a matter of, are we going to keep our end of the bargain? Are we going to seek first His kingdom? Are we going to keep Him first, let Him lead? Then we walk into and experience everything that God has. So, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, the violent take it by force. We need to be a little more aggressive when the enemy comes and tries to steal our birthright and our inheritance and the things that God has provided for us. Because it's not just for our sake, it's for the sake of others whom, whom you will help, whom you will lay hands on, who you will explain things to, who you're going to sit down and 
help renew their mind from the word of God so that they also can partake of what you're feasting on and what you are. And that's the church. The church is each one of us not limiting God. Agreeing. Imagine that. Agreeing with what he has said. With what's written right there in his word. Imagine that. What that would look like. (laughs) How that would transform our way of thinking. And it doesn't matter what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you haven't seen, what you haven't experienced. It does. God is not. He speaks things that are not. As though they are. Because they really are. In his kingdom. But whether we're going to see that translate into manifestation here, it's about alignment. It's about not being the limiting factor. And then the time and the... all the, Okay, don't worry about it. Daniel started praying. It took a few weeks before the angel came because it was spiritual warfare. Okay, don't worry about all that stuff. Just make sure that we are keeping our end of the bargain and we're being the believing ones in what he has said. The believing ones, the submitting ones, so we can be the partaking and the manifesting ones, just like Jesus. So it's a, it's, it doesn't get scared when the devil goes, boo and tries to stop you along the way to the house, what you have the title deed for, or whatever it is, the power to give up, the power to, to, to be successful in whatever it is that God leads you to do. Because whatever God leads you to do, guess what? He doesn't lead you to do it so you can fail. Never. Never. Everything that God leads you to do, it's to succeed in it. Amen. The key is being led. The key is seeing His Word and attaching ourselves and just grabbing on as he moves around we're just grabbing on we're along for the ride sometimes you know and we don't know. and sometimes that's what it feels like right because we don't think we have it but god has it all together and that's what he said so just hang on and like a little child around the leg of you know and, and just let him even drag us around sometimes if necessary but but we're not letting go of what he said not letting go of who he is his nature his character his power and his, all his promises. And that's the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, the violent take it by force. So we need to be forceful in that way, in attaching ourselves, forceful in our submission, force to, to God, forceful in keeping ourselves in that straight and narrow where God is leading us to be. And if we do our part, if we, that God is faithful, He's faithful. We will see the manifestation of all he promised. So, thank you, Jesus. Okay, pass the microphone now. Any <laughs> questions, thoughts? <laughs> Something else the Lord has shown you? Scripture that you said about the kingdom of God is false, false. Yeah, and the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. There's a there's a there's a sort of aggression or violence. Yeah. That goes with the scripture which says that the of God is living and active; it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Yeah. Sword is a weapon. A weapon meant to do a specific thing, yeah. cut and, and destroy something. And it's sharpened by, by our knowledge of the word. Mm. Um, I've got a scripture that every scripture that we memorize is like sharpening that. Mm. 
mm. that, that will get sorted. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, the violence sort of... But it's, it's, it's a holy violence. It's not a... Yeah. And that's how we're supposed to... Well, yeah. how I'm supposed to, to walk. Yeah. Use that word. Use the word sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it says to wage war by the word. It's like when Paul spoke to Timothy, he said that the prophetic word spoken over to you, wage war with that. It's like, it's like that sword. And we need to be aggressive. He said, stir up. I know what's within you. I put my own hands on you. Stir up the gift that is within you. So, that, so obviously Timothy, in that case, needed to rise to the occasion as well. Just like we all do at different times. And, and we need to... So if he... If he says, so the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the violent take it by force. So violence is against an enemy, right? You don't need to be violent with those on your side, right? So there's an enemy. That's why God said to Adam and Eve, have dominion, because he knew that evil was out there, and it was going to try to get him. So, that, so we are to be violent. The devil is violent with people, if he can be. He seeks whom he may devour, but those he's able to, to infiltrate, he's violent with them. He's, he's not playing games. He's not like, it's not like you leave him alone and he leaves you alone. He's, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He'll kill, destroy, tear them from them, whatever he can, if he's, if he's able to. So when we encounter him, we need to be violent. There's no quarter for the enemy. We take that sword, we drive it through, we enforce and establish the will of God and drive the enemy out from wherever we find it. That's the kind of aggression Jesus demonstrated. Casting out demons, uh, you know, like when there were those, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day who, who were not, who they were hindering God, to, he, he didn't mince words. <laughs> I think it was Matthew 23, he just called them whitewashed tombs and you sons of the devil and you, he exposed them. So there, there's, a, there's an aggression that many, most, a, a lot of people in the, in the body of Christ today are not familiar with. And that's the problem because you need to be aggressive with the enemy. So that shows that the, the church at large is not really gaining the, the ground as we're called to and supposed to, speaking in general, you know? So it's, it's, so, you know, the fivefold ministry, all the, the Ephesians 4, we're supposed to be built up into the fullness of Christ so that we can, it says right there in Ephesians 4, so that we can not be led astray, we can see the works of the enemy and destroy them wherever we meet them and progress in the things that God wants to do on the earth. It's through the church, through his body. We are the ones, the, the Holy Spirit in us that are holding back the Antichrist are just rolling in and just taking over entirely. If the church continues to fall, continues to fall short in what we're supposed to do, then we'll see more and more of the things happening in the world. So, so the remnant is here, the, the, out there, the church, those who understand, and and we're pushing back, but we need to uh, we need to bring more people into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> and and more people into the knowledge of of what God has for us to do. Where the rubber meets the road. What do we, you know, what do we? Are we violently destroying the works of the enemy in our prayers and actions? Being led by Him to establish what God wants us to establish in the hearts and minds of people, 
culture and the marketplace and ministering wherever we are in whatever capacity. Every, every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. We need marketplace ministers. We need ministers in the political realm and educational realm and the marketplace realm and every realm. That's what Ephesians 4 says. Every saint equipped for the work of the ministry. But it takes that understanding and settling. The word of God is true. This is what it says. Let's do it. Yeah. Amen. I'm still talking. Thank you, Jesus. What else? Mm. Anything else? Well, with this uh, sword. Yeah. Uh, like, like the, like the um, what was the word? The, the, the taking by, other, taking K- by force? Kingdom of Heaven suffers violence, yeah, violent, taken by force. One, uh, and then said about the two-edged sword. Mm. Yeah. When I was reading yesterday about <clears throat> Joshua taking the, the promised land. Yeah. And it really like struck me like he was so obedient. I mean, he was like slaying everyone with the sword. I was like, wow, he's not really compromising. He just obeyed, obeyed the Lord. And God gave him victory. And like to the like when the Lord said to slay everyone. You know, he was like taking oh, the, you know, the kings. And he, I think I understood also like himself really putting the sword into. <laughs> Interaction, and uh, it's just kind of. I mean, you read Deuteronomy seven and eight. We were reading about the covenant and all this stuff. Well, part and parcel right in there is about destroying all of the enemies of the Lord. Yeah, like taking it by force, not like the violent. Because because there there was something established way back in Genesis six that was beginning to take over that that seed of Satan, and and they had to eradicate that. They had to you know the flood and then after the flood and David's mighty men was taking him out, starting with Goliath. I think he had five, how many stones did he have there? He had one for each of his family in case they came after him too. So it's like there was, the enemy needs to be stopped. There is a sword, there is a violence that needs to be done. And and of course now in our context, we're speaking speaking of a spiritual violence, uh, you know, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against uh, spiritual powers. But there is a time yeah. to, they had to establish these things. Well, look, Ananias and Sapphira. New Testament. That's not a common, nice little sermon here on a Sunday morning, <laughs> is it? Pastor Peter. Yeah. Just gets done talking, and then a couple of people drop dead. It's like <laughs> God's not messing around. The enemy—he was establishing his church. There was something there that would contaminate, and he's very protective. So it's like we have to understand our God is a warrior, and He will not be defeated. And so there is, as we partner with Him, He leads us in victory. He says, "Christ always leads us in victory." Right? That's what scripture says. The key is he's leading. Yeah. We're we're following with him. You know. Yeah. So we let him lead. I don't know why we always saw him as a little soft lamb. <laughs> I that is always the idea, you know, I never had, you know, a picture of him also standing up. Yes, we always know about the, the temple and through the tables, but yeah. That was never a thing that we remembered, you know. Yeah. We always thought of him as the sovereign man. We don't fight the people if they nasty to you. You are humble and, you know. But, but the, the key is he was led in everything he did. So it's like there's a time for everything. Like Ecclesiastes, there's a time for this, a time for that. 
the key is submitting. So Jesus was always submitted. So like a little lamb, he also submitted to the shepherd, like we submit to our Heavenly Father as well. But in that submission is authority. God's authority, because we submit to him, that's what the centurion recognized. Speaking of authority, I'm also a man under authority. I see you're under authority. That's why the authority of God works through you. So it's in that submission that, you know, we then can be led by the shepherd. And in that being led, sometimes he's going to lead us through some enemy camps. With a, and all we have is a jawbone of a donkey. And he says, okay, start swinging, you know, so to speak. <laughs> so it's like when he leads and because we're submitted and we follow, then he, he you know, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So now we, we have this power. Acts 1-8 has happened. And, and, and the power of God is there. But he operates, it flows in a submitted life and heart. So the authority is there because we're submitted. The power of God is there to do whatever needs to be done to defeat the enemy wherever God leads us to encounter him. So, but it starts with a submit to God. Then you push back and resist the devil. Then he will flee in terror in that order. So we don't just like the sons of Sceva go up and start trying. You know, if we're not even submitted to God, it's like, you know, he just... Anyway. So, yeah, but it's a very important point. We, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He told the Pharisees how it was in Matthew 23. He overturned the table. He, he has a strong personality. Yes, and yeah, but we and Sometimes people uh, equate love with weakness. Nothing could be further from the truth. Love is fierce. Love, he says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. He says, he says, he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Whatever you've done to the least, you've done unto me. There's that union and identification when you're in covenant with God where, I mean, are you going to protect the ones you love? Where do you think you got that from? Your heavenly father. You're created in his image, in his likeness. You, you feel how he feels about things. And what would you not do to protect those you love? You see, that's covenant with God and, and the bride of Christ. That is a place where you're walking with him and God's got your back, you know. And But sometimes the, his authority just works through you to take care of the situation, that violence in the spirit and that dismantling of strongholds and taking out the enemy. Uh, casting him out wherever you find him and establishing in the hearts of people the strongholds of love, truth, the gospel. No, but like you also said last time about the, um, uh, the serpent that rises up. Mm. Yeah. Know? He doesn't. He, he gets up, you know? Yeah. And, um, when he gets into the corner. Yes. Yeah. He's not just lying there, you know? He, yeah, it doesn't go over a flip on his belly. Yeah. This, you corner a, a, a snake. So it says, "Be wise like a serpent." Yeah, yeah. You're harmless as a dove. So we don't. We're not looking around to bully. No, no, no. We're harmless as a dove, but we will rise up when we need to rise up and do what God is leading us to do. I just don't think we had to do it. Hmm? I, I, I don't think we were ever in a really in a in 
situation that we had to do it. But you see, stand up and but, but you see, we're not. You see, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits. So we're we're actually talking about a a spiritual yeah. mindset, mm -hmm. which influences how and what we do, in order to establish God's ways mm -hmm. in a situation. So it's spiritual violence. It has to do with praying in the spirit about things you don't even know, but you, you give God free reign through your own mouth to establish things. And then when you later go in that situation, it's already been prayed about, even though you didn't know. And so everything is in, there for the victory that Jesus is leading you because he's led you there. So it's he's wherever he leads, there's a victory there when you encounter spiritual resistance. And, and sometimes it's manifest through people. Yeah, people and things, but you don't, you know, just necessarily beat them up or something. <laughs> Most situations are not, so that's not exactly what we're talking about. But, but there is a, um, a spiritual activity going on that we're sensitive to. And in fact, we were sensitive before in the situation just by because we prayed in the Spirit. We knew that, you know, we know that's necessary to do. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will uh, speak with new tongues. Cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. These are essential things. And each one of those is very much attacked by religion. Speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Those are all like, you know, a bit like fringe. That, that's like, yeah, maybe Jesus in those days. And, but now it's like a bit, you know, let's just read a feel-good message, you know what I mean? <laughs> not something that equips warriors, and that's the difference. No. It's not time for feel-good messages to the flesh, feel-good flesh. It, it, just be, just, you know, think about your own. Settle in nice and just, the pew's too hard. No. <laughs> warriors. The, God is coming back for a warrior bride, spotless, clean, who knows how to defeat the devil, who's doing the, they're doing their job. Blessed is that one who comes when the Lord finds so doing, giving that food in, in the right time, giving people what is needed in that time to strengthen them and to help them and to whatever God leads you to do. Spiritual warfare can be as simple as, you know, looking out your window and seeing the guys sitting there and, and doing what God leads you to do for that person. You, you've just maybe blasted the stronghold of depression that was keeping that guy. You don't know. But maybe that guy was in a stronghold, a mindset of God doesn't care. Nothing happened. And then you, led by the Lord, go and you, you help that person and you say a few words, whatever the Lord is leading you to do. And you just dismantled that stronghold. And you changed that person's life, but you don't know it. You're just being obedient to overflow as God leads you to. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, it does have a manifestation in the flesh, but it's not necessarily beating. But it, but it's it's that's doing violence to the enemy's kingdom by doing that loving, helping action as you're led to do so, and as you see the need, and you you do it. It's like as you do those things, you're in, you're you're repositioning people's destinies. I mean, not not repositioning. You're you're unlocking, you're unshackling them in many cases from strongholds that are of the enemy that are holding them down. 
So yeah, the it, it, the spiritual warfare is manifest in every way, everything we do. We count very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want everyone to know. Yeah, we got it. That's good. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Anything else before we pray and just? Yeah, I'll just. Uh, I'm, I'm somebody that I need pictures uh-huh. to. So even when I read the Bible, I try and picture either from what that's on. And I think that's one of the reasons why that the movie of Narnia, uh-huh. mm. just the picture of, of Aslan, mm. I was so gentle with yeah. his first introduction when he first met Lucy, the youngest girl, mm. that gentleness. Like the way we got taught in the in the in yeah. when I was growing up, Jesus sweet and mild. Yeah. But as the movie progresses, that power and that holiness and that, yeah. that strength mm-hmm. of of the line of Judah, yeah. um, that also reflects the the power and the strength of, of, yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the it's the two complete opposites that. That gentle gentleness when he when he introduces himself to us, mm-hmm. but as we walk closer with him, mm-hmm. we actually get a better revelation mm-hmm. of that yeah. power and that, mm-hmm. that that almighty God of who he is. Yeah, and and it's and it's complementary in the sense of it's a f- like facets of the diamond. Each facet is all is there. It comes out as requ- necessary. In fact, in Exodus 33, where it says, uh, my presence will go with you, when Moses was talking, show me your glory, my presence will go with you, that word presence is, is faces, panaim, my faces, my expressions. In other words, everything that you encounter, I'm going to be just what you need in that situation. That's what Second Peter 1 is talking about. He gives us all things for life and godliness. He'll help us. He'll be whoever he needs to be for us in that in any situation. In one situation, the violent take it by force. In another one, that gentleness and, and humility and that, that nurturing aspect. In another case, something else. So whatever is needed, God's spirit encapsulates. He, it's, it's part of his character and nature that we learn to cooperate with the, in the holy place, the menorah, the, the golden candlestick, seven, the seven spirits of God. One God, but it's like he manifests himself in all the realms of human experience that, that we need, and he gives us what we need, food for that moment, the expression of who he is in that moment, because everything exists in his tracks, the I am, and so we, we flow with him, and he, he's the gentleness, he's the, the power, he's whatever, he, he's all, you know, he's all these expressions of... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just want to The other day I was playing in the kitchen, and you know, with all these, oh, now the 20th wave coming, and everything, and then there's a song, I, uh, music for the whole and you know that he's got the whole world in his hand, and I thought, I know where. This is. This is wonderful, you know. It was just a nice that I will remember, you know. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, that's it. It's so simple. He's got it, you know. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything. There's no, like you always say, there's no, he's not 
caught off guard, you know, something's happening and I don't know what, you know, where it comes from. Yeah, he's got it all yeah. um, under control. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. well, the, the little G there, Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this world is Satan. Yes. So it's all just understanding what we're talking So yes, so the thing is that this is what's kind of confusing for some is that, okay, the God of this world, that means people are buying into the devil's religion of self and, and all this kind of stuff and all, everything that flows from that. However, that is being played out on the board that God has created. So God is never in checkmate. Yeah. yeah so he's always... Um, so, in other words, as we walk with God, we're gonna, he's always going to lead us in victory in the presence, through the valley of the shadow of death. He has a table prepared in the presence of our enemies. So the enemies there doing stuff, he may even have the majority of the world under his control. Thus, Second Corinthians 4.4 4 calls him the little G God of this world. So, but, in other words... Um, the word that Jesus has spoken will judge evil on that day. So it's like all that is being played out and we see it, but it's in the track of judgment. It's not out of, you know, God is not like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect that. What do I do? That's what you're talking about, right? He, he's never in that situation. It's always playing out. He knew it was going to happen. That's getting funneled toward judgment. So, but in the world, all these bad things are happening and it's not God's fault. It's not God's will that, you know, little babies are being aborted. It's not God's will that people are suffering violence and, and all, all of these things. That's the God of this world, Satan. But it's like, God will have the final say. And, and, and it's not because God wants these things to happen. In fact, he wants his church to rise up. What we're seeing is because the church isn't rising up at large. And so that's, that's where the remnant... And we need to always... That's our job. Just keep multiplying the kingdom of God, making disciples to expand that understanding and that action. Um, but the fact is that... Um, yeah, God's never in checkmate. So even though things are happening, he knew it would happen, and, and he's not stopping it because mankind has free will. But he will have the final judgment, you know. The coals are getting quite hot down there in hell in, in anticipation of certain customers. And, uh, <laughs> And we can live in that secret place of Psalm 91 where you, you'll see in your right hand, your left hand, but it shall not come nigh you as we abide in him as we... So that's, that's like a dual thing going on. You have this and then you have God's Psalm 91 protection and at, at this going on at the same time. So it's important to understand that one is not to the exclusion of the other. In fact, in the midst of gross darkness, the light shines even brighter, and people will see that difference. And that's what we're called to—to to show the difference, you know, not to remove us from, but to, in the midst of, we're sitting down at the table with Jesus, and everybody's like, "How, are you, how are you doing that? How, how are you feasting in the midst of this?" And we point to God, we point to Jesus. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. The Jews even need to be come jealous, the Bible says, of how God deals with us. So there's still some area to ground to cover. Yeah. 
thinking why we shrunk back. It's really like why are we not? Why what? Sorry. Why we shrunk back as a oh. church? Like, and I, doesn't it come back to the intimacy with God that we're lacking yeah. that? Because if we would have that, we would yeah. step out and we would know what to do. Right? I think the parable that Jesus, of the parable of the classically referred to as the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like Jesus said, if you understand this parable, he told his disciples, if you understand this parable, you're going to understand all the others. But if you don't understand this one, everything else is going to be because everything hinges upon this. And it is how the word of God is received. Mm-hmm. It's about the soils. Mm-hmm. So there was, uh, you know, a bit explained about these different kinds of soil. One was hard, the seed was on the side of the road, and so it didn't go in. And so the enemy just come and snatched him away, the birds, the enemy. Uh, some of the soil was entwined in the cares of life and the focuses, and so it there wasn't focus and priority given to allow that seed of the word of God to, to produce. And so, but then even in the good soil, you have different measures of result, right? And which which also goes to show that um, for a hundredfold return, it needs to go into good soil, and we need to live the hundredfold life of abiding and cooperating and aligning and doing the things Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Right? Do do the things I'm telling you to do. It's for your own good, your own benefit. But yet, you know. So it's like if we would do what if we would prioritize his word and read it and, and just do it and live that out, it will lead us to that place of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will lead us and everything will flow out from that place, that mm-hmm. secret place where we just lock ourselves in with our first love and we, we engage and we wait upon him and we prioritize the fact that I want my daily bread of just giving the Lord the space to align, to reveal, to engage. Everything else is secondary, you know, and flows from that place. So yes, it is about being intimate. And that's what he says in his word. So it's how we receive the word, which says to prioritize that secret place of intimacy to, and it says other things too. And if we would live those out, we will produce. And, and God's not limiting us. He's saying hundredfold return is, is available. It's up, to, it's up to us. He says, do not be deceived. A, man will, a person will reap what he sows. We, what we experience is exactly what we're sowing into it with God. It's not God holding back. It's not God deciding. It's here it is. The table is set. Who's coming? Remember the other parables, some made excuses, this and that, they had other priorities, they had other things. It's it's how we value that seed and how we respond to it, yeah. So Alright, well any prayer requests or anything? As we just something. So God gave man free will. We've got free will. Yeah. Angels don't have free will. Uh, well, they they can decide. I mean, Satan chose to rebel, so yeah, they do is, in that yes. sense. Yeah. 
But the difference is angels are not redeemable because they see how it is. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of walk by faith. We you know, but well, that's not even the reason. I mean, Adam and Eve, they humankind was created in the image of God, and so we were created. We're a different. Uh, we're different. So angels, even angels, are not created in God's image. No. No. They're not. That's why. Wow. That's why Satan Hallel became jealous. Yes. I, I believe that's what happened. That you know he saw he was the like the like oh. <laughs> high up there in the yeah. hierarchy until mankind was revealed. And when mankind was revealed, created in the very image of God, they sh- they're bright and shining with God's glory and walking with God. He was jealous. He started inserting himself, according to Ezekiel 34, as a middleman, merchandising. He, he, he wanted to be the go-between and everything and, and to usurp what was not his. And that's what he did with the garden. He wanted to usurp the authority that God had given mankind by getting mankind to subscribe to his religion, which would give him control and the ability to manipulate everything. So. Angels, uh, where does it tell you in the Bible what they look like? Because There's different. Made in the image of God, God. Yeah. There's all kinds of beings. You can read about beings that have heads like a this and bodies like a that. We don't. We don't begin to understand the created order. God has given us His word, but it there's there's a lot of. Um, entities that, and there's different angels, even there's seraphim, yes. there's cherubim, there's archangels. There, well, it says right there in Ephesians six, it says principalities, powers. Uh, it lists a, a few of those hierarchies, yeah. but those are not all the beings in heaven, yeah. even. So it's like it's um, God created each for their own purpose, and um, and the angels should have known better than to. Yeah. step out of their in Jude it talks about you know those angels which caused the Genesis 6 situation that they're they're um, bound up yeah, yeah. right now and because um, they left their abode God had a track for them and they and, and so they're not redeemable yeah but they can't take the form of human beings. I mean, sometimes we see angels. It's also in the yeah. Bible, see angels. And they're in the f- a, a shape or the form of people. So yeah. are they like that? Or some well, of them I, like that as well? Or yeah. do they change to appear in front yeah, of God. people so that we, we don't... Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they adapt to you know, like many people have had stories of passing a hitchhiker on the road and then seeing him again as they kept driving on and seeing them again and then having an encounter from that. So you know, I'm sure they don't always appear like that hitchhiker dude, but for, in that instance, they did. And so yeah, as the well, I mean, you just have to ask who's Melchizedek. Without beginning of days, yeah, he was, Abraham went and paid tithes to him after his victory. There's lots of beings that, and it's, 
you know, it's, um, and he was not an angel either. Well, it depends what you mean by angel. <laughs> it's definitely, be, okay, so it's, but what I'm saying is there's lots of, of beings and entities that God has created, and we don't know the half of it. We, we, you know, we don't know the half of it. But we know our role, and there is no higher order because Christ was not crucified for any other being except mankind. We are the highest created order. God wanted family. All the angels and all that was sent to as ministers to help us and to, to kind of be taking their place within that what's going on. But it, it says that we're for a little while lower than the angels, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. And it says one day we will be judging angels, the, the faithful ones will be. So, so we, that's why God says, listen, your destiny will be fully realized if you stay in the track here with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you go outside the track, you're going to miss out on what your, the fullness of the destiny could have been. And another thing, when we die, nobody gets turned into an angel. Turned into an angel. Yeah, a human become, turned into an angel. Uh, no, no, a human is always a human. But uh, young people say that, oh, they've died down there, and now you become an angel. No. Yeah, it, it might have been their perception of what's yeah, going on, but perceptions are not always... Uh, yeah, sure. yeah they're, def they're definitely biblically a different entity yes. altogether. Totally. So, okay. And yeah. people trying to comfort others by yes. saying you're the loved one, yes. angel now. The angel now. Yeah, words are used, it's but not always yeah. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Accurately. So. I think, could we take it that we are above angels? Yes. Because. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. Got free will, yeah. And, uh, well, it's just we are a different created species we we were created in the image of god yeah. angels are not created in the image of god wow can you imagine we're all fantastic yeah. but 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 you see but the thing is that's why the the devil is so ferocious in his trying to keep us from the reality of who we are and get experiencing the fullness by accepting and understanding what god has said and we begin walking in that, then we become such a threat to his kingdom because we are destroying and dismantling his kingdom wherever we find it. And we're establishing God's kingdom, which is, number one, an awareness in people and an acceptance of their position in through Jesus Christ. And then, you know, uh, manifesting his kingdom to others as well. Because every time we do that, the enemy loses ground, he loses territory. We, we And so he does everything he does to, to, to wage his disinformation campaign, to keep us from accurate information and truth, which is really about who God has destined us to be and created us to be and the creative order that we are by virtue of being human and having Christ die for us. He didn't die for angels. He died for mankind. Humans, yeah. Yeah, the value of something is reflected in the price paid. The blood of Jesus? Yeah. Nothing more valuable. Paid for who? Mm -hmm. Mankind. 